It's my pleasure to read the Bible for you this morning and we're going to read Isaiah chapter 53 first. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of the dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But we... Uh, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living, for the transgressions of, the, of the, my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer, and though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life, and be satisfied by his knowledge my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities therefore I will give him the portion among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors the second reading is from Acts chapter 8, first from 4 to 8 and then from 26 to 40. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to the city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks the impure spirits came out of many and many who were paralysed or lame were healed. So there was joy in the city. And from verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in the charge of all the treasury of the Kandaki 
which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with, with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they travelled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptised? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptised him. When they come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and travelled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Morning. Hey, 10 o'clock. I'm Langdon, if you don't know me. If you are new or visiting, special welcome uh, to you. As uh, Robin said, we are continuing, or starting actually, we're kicking off our global series, Think About Mission. This is one of my favourite passages in Scripture. I love this passage. There's lots in there for us to think about, uh, for us being on mission. What does it mean for us to be on mission? Uh, but I want to kick off this morning by asking a question. Have you ever had to start or tried to start an awkward conversation? I'll give you an example of what that conversation might be. It might be something simple like, will you go out with me? Will you marry me? It might be a confession. It might be something like, uh, so I've got to tell you, I scratched the car. Uh, have you ever, you, you know you've got to have this conversation and you're not sure how it's going to go and your palms get sweaty. Um, the heart races, you're squirming because you know it could go well or it could go really bad. Maybe it's asking for a pay rise or, or uh, you know, I dropped the special dish, you know, that I shouldn't have dropped that your mum gave you for your, you know, birthday or something. You want to... Uh, have that conversation, but you feel a bit awkward because you know it's going to change the status quo. Um, I went and saw uh, the Barbie movie last weekend. Has anyone seen? Yeah, don't laugh at me. Okay, it was fun. Um, there's this great scene, though. Just hands up, just confession now. Who's seen it? Yeah, so don't... Yeah, oh, not okay. So anyway, Barbie's dancing in an awesome plastic world, 
And then all of a sudden she's like, hey guys, do you guys ever think about dying? And the whole room just goes, and the record scratches, everything stops. She's like, why are you asking that question, Barbie? We're living in this perfect world, and now you want to ask an awkward question about death, about dying, about eternity. You know, I think one of the, for many of us, one of the most uh, awkward conversations we can think about having is talking to someone about God or Jesus or eternity, and it's like that Barbie scene. We're afraid that everything's going to stop and people are just going to diss us completely. And it happens. Uh, I remember being um, waiting at a restaurant once, talking to a guy I just met, chatting away. I was asking, what does he do? He does all these things. And he said to me, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm working with the church. <laughs> that was the end of the conversation right there. Because it does happen. So the idea for us to say, hey, is there someone I can have an awkward conversation, maybe about God, it might be awkward, it maybe not, it can make us nervous. Some of us can be really, really hard, that idea of talking to someone. And we're going to see in this passage a bit of a conversation that uh, between Philip and the Ethiopian that could make us nervous if we're in Philip's shoes, I don't know. Um, so we're going to have a look and see how this uh, word can also encourage us and what we can learn. So would you pray with me as we look at Acts chapter 8? Heavenly Father, as we look at your word, Father, we ask for your Holy Spirit to speak to us, strengthen us. As we think about awkward conversations, even conversations about Jesus with others, would you teach us this morning? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, we're having a look through uh, Acts chapter 8. We're just going to have a look at this awesome passage. And we meet a guy named Philip. Philip, we actually first meet a few chapters earlier. And throughout Acts, uh, you see that uh, as the church grows, uh, there is lots of people to look after. There's a dispute that rises up. And the first time we meet Philip is that he is part of a team that is now looking after the poor, waiting on tables so the apostles can go and do uh, the word-based ministry. He's a guy who is willing to go and serve week by week, day by day. We have an amazing team that does manna um, week by week uh, and serves. And I imagine it's something similar, something similar to that. And then uh, this great persecution breaks out with the stoning of Stephen. People are spread everywhere. And Philip, who's been faith with a few things, uh, is willing to go to this place that even the disciples didn't want to go to, Samaria. But when he goes there, he starts to have this amazing ministry. We read uh, uh, in verse 6 that when Philip, uh, when the crowds heard Philip sharing, they saw the signs he performed, they, placed, uh, they paid close attention to him. And uh, he sees many things happen, many impure spirits coming out, many who are paralyzed, uh, or lame where there's healings, there's great joy as the gospel goes out. Philip is having this amazing, wonderful ministry to many, many people uh, in this, this place. Uh, ministry that uh, is just off the charts. It's all happening. It's a fruitful time of ministry. But then we read, uh, as John did for us, we read in verse 26. An angel of the Lord turns up to Philip and says, this is all happening, but I want you to go south to the desert road. The desert road. The desert's the quiet place, the place where it's dry. You've seen 
uh, Philip that the Sumerians are pretty hard to reach and uh, God's done an amazing work there. But I want you to go again to another desert. Go to that place. Even though he's got a fruitful ministry, God says to him, I want you to go to a different place. It doesn't tell Philip why, doesn't tell him exactly where, but he just says, get on the road. One of the things we can learn, I think, from this passage is we're going to see a bit, how does the Holy Spirit work? Because the Holy Spirit guides and leads, and Philip is willing to go. He doesn't know what God has for him, but he goes. I wonder if you've ever sensed or felt the promptings of the Holy Spirit telling you, to do we say no? Do we question it? Philip got into that practice, maybe from all his service to the poor, of saying yes to the Holy Spirit. So he was willing to go. And on his way, he meets an Ethiopian. We read, he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the territory of Kandake. Uh, Kandake is like uh, a word that means uh, queen, uh, it probably be similar more to like Pharaoh or Caesar in that it was a title more than the actual name. And this Ethiopian man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Who is this guy? He's from Ethiopia. Ethiopia back then uh, was probably the, somewhere around uh, northern Sudan, southern Egypt, but at least a good thousand kilometers from Jerusalem, so he's gone a long way. And he's a eunuch. It may mean that he was castrated, but it definitely means that he was in service. In fact, he was a very important person. This is like the Jim Chalmers uh, of uh, Ethiopia at that time. He's like the finance minister. He's the treasurer. So he's very wealthy. He's very powerful. He's very rich. We also know that because he's got a chariot. Uh, not everyone had a chariot. Most people would walk. And he's got a scroll. He's got Isaiah. Now, we take it for granted today that you can even just pull out your phone. We're gonna, we've got free Bibles at the back. You can take one. Back in that time, the only people uh, the, that would have a scroll uh, or a copy of the Scriptures uh, were the rabbis. Uh, maybe if you were very wealthy, if you were connected, he has a scroll of Isaiah. This is not a normal thing and is there reading it. But here's the other thing about it. What's fascinating for him is he's searching. Somewhere, we don't know where, this Ethiopian eunuch has heard about God. And he's willing to go all the way to Jerusalem uh, to worship. He's bought himself, he's invested with all this money, he's bought himself a scroll. He's wanting to know God. He's searching. He's seeking. He's trying to figure it out. We don't know where, as I say, or how he first learned but he's gone there, he's trying to work it out, he's on his way back, he's still trying to work it out, he's reading through the scrolls. I am encouraged by this. I'm encouraged by how, even though this was written 2,000 years ago, there I can still see people like the eunuch today. Because there are people just like that eunuch who are seeking, who are searching for God, who are looking, who will travel long distances, looking for the meaning looking for meaning of life, looking for all these things, looking for the greater purpose, looking for identity, acceptance, trying to find it. 
People today are searching. We live in a world that people are searching. Even like the Barbie movie again, she goes off looking for real life, if you've seen the movie. Did you have a period like that? Some of you I know have journeys where you had a period of going, I'm looking for God, I'm looking for meaning, I'm looking for the higher purpose. Maybe even this morning, you've, you're here this morning and you're seeking. You've come to church, you've started coming to church because you want to find out more about who God is. What's God all about? Is God the answers to what I'm seeking? There are people all around us. In fact, we are so lucky as a church. We get visitors every week. And people who come to visit us are seeking God. They're looking. There are people all around us who are seeking God. And this is what this Ethiopian is doing. But it also gives us a picture of how the Holy Spirit works. Because as well as him seeking God, the Holy Spirit is also at work. I want to show you a verse from John 6:44. Jesus is talking about him being the bread of life, but he says this. He says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. God's in the habit of drawing people to himself. And that's what he's doing uh, with the eunuch. He's drawing him to himself. He's given him that little bit in him that says, there's got to be something about God. There's got to be something more, and I'm looking for it, and I'm seeking it. And that Holy Spirit, let me encourage us, is at work in our church, in our community, in our suburb. God is working and drawing people to himself. And there are people searching. Well, at that time, as, uh, the Holy Spirit leads Philip, and he comes, he's on that road, and as we read, the Spirit tells Philip, see that chariot over there? Go and stay near it. Now, I don't know what Philip was thinking at that time, but here he is, he's just a lonely church boy, evangelist, um, and there is this wealthy, rich uh, person on his chariot strolling along, I might be a little intimidated. There's a big status difference. Uh, years ago, I used to work uh, at Channel 10, and uh, I worked in the videotape department. We did production and stuff like that. And um, one day, the boss said, Langdon, I want you to take this videotape over to Sandra Sully's desk. Now, Sandra Sully, even years ago when I worked there, was very well known. You don't just walk over to Sandra Sully's desk. As a, I don't know her. You know, There's a big power imbalance. But I went because the boss said, you can go and do it. I don't know what Philip was like. If he was a bit intimidated, can I go talk to that guy? But Philip heard the boss. He heard the boss say, you can go and do it. And he does it. He's obedient to the Spirit. He's trusting, not in himself, he's trusting what the Spirit would lead him to do. He strolls over. He's willing to go. He's led by the Holy Spirit. And I love this that the Spirit would lead him to one man. Because as we've read, he's having this massive, fruitful, massive ministry. The gospel's going everywhere in Samaria. And I love that God's work can be done amongst many people. But this passage reminds us just as important that God also cares about that one person. Uh, we're going to focus on carols, and we're going to have our missions conference and big events but you know what's just as important as those big events? It's also that ministry to the one person. The one person that I know many of us in this congregation are praying for, are seeking, are chatting with. That one person 
that one single person that doesn't know the Lord that the Spirit wants to bring into himself. God cares about the many. God cares about the one. God cares about you. And God cares about each and every person in our community. And I know that people in this church are reaching out, and it's awesome. And as we pray, as we hear God, the Holy Spirit can lead us to those people. And I want to show you a little video in a second. This is a video of something that happened on our recent mission trip in Fiji, where we, uh, within our training, asked people to go and make connections in the local space. And I want to introduce to you Blazer and uh, Harry Brennan's in the video as well. Would you watch this? I want to just give you an example of how the Holy Spirit can be at work. Yeah, during my quiet time, uh, God showed me this, for me to draw this. So you, you prayed and you saw a picture of a lady. Tell me about that. What yeah. was she wearing? She was wearing a red top, a yellow skirt, and a brown bag. And I saw her selling roti. Roti is uh, like something like, uh, what did we have for dinner? Like a fruit. Like a, like a wrap. Like yeah, wrap. Like something a little like wrap. Yeah. 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 But yeah. it's a curry wrap. So yeah, I saw her like selling roti. And then I walked towards the place they were selling roti, but I didn't see anyone selling roti with the same exact detail. But guess what? <laughs> I found someone that was buying roti and her name was Amelia. And this is her. I'm not sure if you can see it. That's her. Brown bag. <laughs> yellow skirt and red top and walking towards her I was kind of having that fear on how to start but God just keep, kept on reminding me that once he's ahead of us you don't need to worry you just have to take that step of faith and which I did and then I asked the Holy Spirit like well, where do I start and then I asked her if I could share something with her and she was kind of a little bit afraid and she didn't know me and first thing I did, like, I popped this up, like, uh, how FBI would pop a badge. I was like, you know what? I was praying for you this morning. And I showed her this. And she was looking at her bag, looking at her top. And she was looking at the drawing. And I said, like, I know you've been thinking that God does not forgive you. Let me tell you something. I've got great news. God died on the cross for you and me. And he forgives you despite what you think. And she was just pouring out. She was just pouring out. And I was pouring out. We were pouring out. And then I had a chance to just pray for her and like take a selfie with her and I thank God for directing me because if it wasn't for this couple of days, I know Amelia wouldn't be having the message I gave for her. And I thank the Holy Spirit for that and I thank my brother Harry over here too. And uh, yeah, thank you. thank you to everyone that's watching. Pretty cool, hey? Yeah. I show you that video, it was so encouraging. We were all there, we saw him with this picture before they went out and to have that happen. I show you that video because it's an amazing, sort of miraculous thing. But the biggest thing about that is, for me, is that most times, in fact, I suspect for most of us here, when we pray, that doesn't usually happen. Some of it, sometimes that, some of you that may, but honest, but many of us, we won't have that experience, we'll see a picture exactly of who uh, we're going to meet. But when we did that, we had a whole bunch of groups going out. 
and everyone got to have these conversations. And it encouraged me to remind me that when we pray, God hears. He may not show us in a miraculous way like that, but he will answer our prayers and lead us to the people that he wants us to be able to share with. Um, I hope that's a real encouragement uh, for all of us to go, actually, God hears your prayers. Because when you pray, God, is there someone that you would lead me to? Do you think God's going to ignore you? Do you think God's going to lead us to the people he is drawing to himself when we pray that? Absolutely he's going to do that. In fact, it's a very dangerous prayer to pray if you don't want, you know, if, if you don't want God to answer it for you. He will answer. Uh, be encouraged by that. But I love that story, and I love how that even though uh, Blazer clearly had a sense of this is God at work, I still have to go start that conversation, don't I? Maybe I'll show it like an FBI badge. I don't want to come up like a crazy, hey, you know. Um, but when he went, it was, he had that, that, okay, God, I see you're at work. I see you're doing, but I want to start a conversation with you. How do I start? How do I do that? He had that sweaty palms. This is going to be an awkward conversation. How do I start? And what he does is something I think we can learn from. Look in verse 30. He says this. Uh, then Philip ran up to the chariot, and he heard the man reading Isaiah. He listened to where the guy was at. Oh, he's reading the Bible. He's reading the scriptures already. What a great place to start right where he's at. And he said to him this great question, do you understand what you're reading? He starts by asking a question. He starts by asking, where are you at? Tell me what you already know. It's a great place to start a conversation, to start that awkward conversation. It's a great place because you're starting, where is the person at already? We don't always start off from zero in our knowledge, understanding, thinking. We're all at a place. Find out where is that person starting from the beginning. And he asks a question so he can continue the conversation and uh, if the man is willing to have that conversation with him. And what does the man say? Well, how can I understand unless someone explains it to me? So he invites Phil to come up and sit with him. The Bible can be hard to understand from the first time. The Bible, at first glance, even when we read the first Old Testament reading and you read that picture from Isaiah, can be hard to understand. Can be very hard to understand. Uh, those verses about Jesus, you know, for many Jewish scholars, they thought it was talking about the nation of Israel, the suffering servant. Some thought they were talking about the prophet Isaiah. Jesus comes along and, and uh, points their scriptures to himself. But many people, we read the Bible and we go, I don't know if that makes, how does that make sense? What does it mean? Maybe you've heard someone say, I've read the Bible, but it didn't do anything for me. But maybe in your experience, you've also had the Bible explained to you. You're like, oh, I get it. I see it. I understand it. What a wonderful thing. What a great verse. How can I unless someone explains it to me. Do you know so many people don't know or understand the gospel message because no one has explained what the Bible says to them. Just because, not that they're anti, not that they don't want to know, but no one's been willing to say, hey, I'm willing to sit down and read the Bible with you. And he shares this pa passage uh, from Isaiah. He starts with where he's at. Look at verse 34. He reads through the passage. And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is this prophet talking about, himself or someone else? 
Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Sharing, just reading the Bible with him, starting there is a wonderful place for us to stay, to start. Especially in today's cultures, we live in a culture where every time we say anything, we like to deconstruct it, don't we? It's our very first response to everything. What are you talking about? I want to deconstruct it. Who is saying it? What's happening? In today's culture especially, just reading the scripture with somebody is a great place to start because if they're going to deconstruct, start deconstructing the scripture because it holds up. Let the scripture work uh, with somebody. Blazer, he had to start. He started with that issue of forgiveness and praying for this lady. He started where he was at and he pointed, and like in the passage, Philip and the Ethiopian, he points to Jesus from the passage. He points to Jesus from the scripture. In fact, all scripture points to Jesus. I've seen people who have disagreed with the Bible, who haven't want to know, who didn't want to know, and yet someone has sat down and read the Bible with them, and they've actually got to read it for themselves, and you see the Holy Spirit do its job. I've also seen the people who've done it, and it's, you know, hasn't done anything. That's up to the Holy Spirit. It's not to us. But engaging people in reading God's Word is a great way to share with them. There are great benefits to reading God's Word with somebody. And we see that in the, uh, in the passage as it has an effect on the Ethiopian. For us, if we can read, we can read the Bible with someone else. Do you know the cool thing? If you sit down one-to-one, just like Philip there, you read the Bible with someone else, you actually get to know the Bible better. In fact, one of the best ways to get to know the Bible is to read it with someone who's new to it. Read it with someone who's a little less far on the journey with you. Uh, it's a great way. In fact, when we teach something, somebody something, we actually get to know it better ourselves. And we might read along and we might go, oh, that's a good question. I don't know what the answer is either. Great question. The best teachers are learners as well. So we can learn along with our friend reading the Bible. And when we read the Bible with someone who hasn't read it, we get to see the power of God in them, understanding, growing, seeing God's word. It's like a child, you know, and kids are amazing because they see the world, they engage with the world like it's all new. Wow, here's a tree, I wanna eat it. You know, here's a, I wanna touch it. Being with somebody, reading the scriptures for the first time is like that childlike experience. Not that they're eating and touching or whatever, but they're engaging with it. And it's the most beautiful, amazing thing to see. And we get to see God's power at work. We recognize that we can't change a person, but we let the Holy Spirit do its job. And we build such bonds with a person when we do that. That's what Philip did. He spent time going along the road, sitting in the chariot, reading the scriptures together. They talked about all sorts of things, I imagine. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water in the desert. And the eunuch said, look, here's water. Who can stand in the way of me being baptized? And so that's what he does. Uh, there's a verse 37 there, just a heads up. It's not in the Bible, not in the early manuscripts. Uh, but it, uh, Philip says, if you believe with all your heart, you may. The eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. He's gone through the scriptures and he's recognizing who this Jesus is. And you see his response, two things. The Ethiopian wants to give his life to Jesus. 
And he does that, he wants to get baptized. He wants to come into God's family. We had a baptism here a couple of weeks ago. Uh, as many of you here, it was awesome. Uh, we want to continue. Part of responding to Christ is getting baptized. If you haven't been baptized and you're a follower of Jesus, please get baptized. We're going to be doing uh, some more baptisms, more and more and more. We're praying for that. If you haven't been baptized, it's an important part of our response to Jesus, publicly declaring and coming into his family. But the other response that the eunuch has is joy. When someone comes to know Christ, there's joy. Do you, know, what, do you remember that when you first heard about Jesus, when it first twigged in your brain, Jesus has died for me. Did you know that joy? This is a response that we get from coming to Christ. Uh, it doesn't mean we don't go through tough things. It doesn't mean we're always happy and, and things happen. But there's a deep hopeful joy that comes through coming to know Christ. As Philip has taken the time to share with this Ethiopian, he's brought him salvation, he's brought him joy. And I hope that just reading these verses encourages you today about the way the Holy Spirit works, about the joy that we can have uh, in leading people to others. But I hope you don't say, oh, well, the Holy Spirit can work for Philip, can work for Blazer and Harry, but, but it wouldn't work for me. My prayer this morning, my challenge this morning, is that we would be encouraged to pray. And here's my challenging prayer for you. Pray and ask God, is there someone that I could read the Bible with? Is there someone that I could sit down, that I could ask, hey, do you want to have a coffee with me? Can we read a couple of verses together? Can we just start with the book of Mark? Just, let's just read one chapter. Read the first chapter. Let's just read the book of John. Just one. Do you want to have a look at just one verse or just the beginning chapter? Is there someone that you could, is there a, someone that you could pray and ask God, would, could I read the Bible with her, with them? Might be a friend, workmate, family member, someone at uni. Maybe it's someone you don't know. Maybe it's someone you do know. That's often harder. You know, we have, maybe if there's, you might be thinking, I don't have anybody. Come and chat to us. Have a look around. There are people here that would love someone uh, to read with them. We just heard in the 8 o'clock service, I got told that the nursing home is keen for people to just come and sit and read with them. You might say, Langdon, what if I pray and God doesn't give me an answer like he did to Blazer or it doesn't lead me to that person? Ask this question. Who do you know that might be willing to read the Bible with you? Again, come and chat to one of us. Is there someone I could read the Bible with? You might say, Langdon, I'm an introvert. You're an extrovert. It's easy for you to say. You're one of those crazy people that likes to talk to other people. I don't. It kills me. It wipes me out. I'm, I am an extrovert. I, you know, It terrifies me a bit too sometimes. But asking these awkward, potentially, it is a potentially awkward question. What if I was to ask someone, would you read the scripture with me? Maybe it helps if you're an introvert to practice. Think about what I'd say. Hey, do you want to have a cup of tea? Would you be interested in reading just one chapter with me? And you know what? If they say yes, get to the end and say, you know what? Do you want to meet again next week? We could read chapter two. Do it again. Read chapter three. Read chapter four. 
Introverts might need a rest afterwards, but I believe we can all do it. You might say, I don't know enough. I don't have all the answers. What if I ask a question? They probably will. And again, you don't need to know all the answers. You can go learn. Buy a commentary. Talk to one of us. Research. You'll learn as you go. They'll ask questions that you never would have asked for yourself. It's great. This is the challenge. Will you pray and ask God, is there someone I can read the Bible with? And implied with that is, are you willing to go do it? I know some of you do this already, and it's awesome. And I hear these wonderful stories about how you're bonding together and doing it. But we need help. At the back of the church, I've got a whole bunch of Mark's Gospels. Why don't you grab one? Not for yourself. Grab one on the way out and go, who can I ask to read this with? Who could I just take half an hour, an hour to do this with? Who can I pray for? There's a cool app called the Word One to One. Uh, we had Richard Borgen on here just before COVID. Uh, came and explained this tool to us. He's got, there's some booklets. But there's also now a free app. And it just helps you read through John's Gospel. And it's got little tips and little things, little pointers as you go and little explanations. It's really easy. You could just open up the app on the phone and just read it together with somebody. Uh, coming up in Missions Conference as well, uh, Andy Bannister has just released a book called How to Talk About Jesus Without Looking Like an Idiot. And because he's coming, he's just released this book, we've said, why don't you come do a workshop for us? So on Sunday the 27th, it's free. Please register so we know you're coming. Um, join us from 2 till 4 and just come and let's learn from Andy. How do we just have these awkward conversations? Start these awkward conversations, engage with people. There's great things we can do. Sharing the gospel, sharing the Bible, so it doesn't have to be hard, doesn't have to be overcomplicated. If we can read, we can do that. But we're going to have an opportunity to see the Lord at work, to see how people can respond, to see and know the joy of Jesus too. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, as we, uh, as we read through Acts, we're reminded of how your Holy Spirit is at work. We're reminded that your Holy Spirit continues to be at work, Lord, drawing people to yourself. Father, I pray that you would keep doing that amongst us. And Father, as we think about, oh, Langdon said something about asking someone if I could read the Bible with them. That sounds scary. Sounds a little nerve-wracking. Father, I ask that you would give us the courage to pray that prayer. I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be at work showing us who is there someone we could ask. Father, they might say no, but I pray you give us boldness and courage to pray, to ask, to look for that opportunity, Lord, to share your good news. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.